0: You can open up the first John, too, if you want, but then keep going and go to the second John. So I to believe my baby boy is going to be 18 this month. They get, they grow quick, don't they? And then they, they, um, they leave the home and go to college and, and then they form a family and they name their kids after you and... And that's always a, or is that just dreaming, huh? <laughs> I can't wait for little Jeremina to hold her in my arms and my granddaughter and look forward to those days and maybe not. Well, get yep, getting older. The big five-zero next year. What, you thought 60? <laughs> Where are we? Second John. Second John. You know, some of you, and myself included, we enjoy going to the zoo and looking at different animals. How many of you enjoy it and going and, and seeing the zoo? Uh, Maya works at the zoo or worked at the zoo. She, you still working there? Yeah, she's... It's a good place to find a husband, by the way, at the zoo, because if you find one, then he's a keeper. And, uh... <laughs> See, that's one I could use in the first and the second service, and I think that would have worked out. All right, that was a bad one. But anyway, um... you ever been to a zoo in another country? I mean, those things are not as fun as the ones here. I mean, they get your heartbeat going because the fences that they use to block the animals off. Are, I'm like, that lion can jump over that thing. I can jump over that thing. And uh, we were in Argentina going to these zoos, and, and uh, some of them were nice, but some of them were too close for comfort. You know, and we see all these different animals, and we get excited about them. Did you know that there are, listen to this, 41,000 species... On the brink of extinction. Think about that. Let me name a couple of them: the Javan rhino. Anybody see those? Well, probably won't. Seventy-five of them are left on, on the earth, and they're going to be gone here soon. And honestly, I can care less. But there's going to be seventy-five. There's the, the leopards. There's a certain kind of leopard. Only a hundred of those left. They're going to be gone. Uh, there's a tiger out in Africa that only six hundred of those. There's the mountain gorilla. The mountain gorilla that's going to be gone here soon, and an orangutan, a certain kind of an orangutan, that's going to be gone. And you say, wow, what is that? I mean, you think about it, they're here, they're gone. You want to know something that in our society that's gone is the two words called truth and love. They're gone. You ask somebody about truth, and they'll tell you truth is whatever you want it to be. As long as you're happy, as long as you don't hurt anyone, you can have the truth. And truth is relative. In fact, we don't know what to believe. We watch the news. You see fake news, and they say it's truth. And we don't know if it's truth or not. And everyone talks about how they have the truth. And different religions will tell you that they know the truth. Listen to this. Did you know that Buddha, at the end of his life, he said this, I am still searching to find the truth? And people follow him? And then love. Oh, mention that word. What does love mean? Anybody know what love means? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm in love. Yeah. What, is, what does that mean? I mean, love can mean anything all over. I was blown away when I when I read this that there is a lady, a single mom right now, who is in lo- is love sick. Listen to this. Love sick over that Idaho killer. And she's writing him letters, she's sending him pictures, and listen to what she says about him. Never met him. She says, this is my divine, masculine counterpart. And I love him. Is that love? Is that truth? That's why this letter to Second John is so powerful. 245 words. It's going to take us a month to study every one of them. Amen. We're going to look at them. It is the second shortest letter in the New Testament. Let's see if you can tell me what the, what the first shortest letter in the New Testament is. Anybody know? Jesus. Somebody says Jude. Third John. Third John. There it is. We're going to study that, Lord willing, in a month from now. And that has 215 words, and that's going to take us close to a month. There are uh, three commands in this book of Second John that we're going to look at. Uh, Lord willing, throughout this month, he's going to tell us in verse 5 and verse 6 to to love one another, to to walk in love. Later on in, in verse 8, he's going to tell us to watch ourselves. We need to be careful and guard ourselves. And he's talking about truth and love there. And in, in verses 9 and 10, he's going to be talking about anyone who takes the Bible and puts things into the Bible that are not there and goes beyond the Bible. How should we handle those people? Wow, that's a, that's a powerful command, and we're going to, Lord willing, look at that um, at the end of the month here. But let's, let's, let's start this book, and let's look. And, and by the way, I, w- I want to let you to know, this is very serious when we talk about love and truth. Do you know that, that people are headed to an eternal hell because they don't understand love and truth? In fact, in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10, he says this, They perish, he says, being deceived by the Antichrist. He says, they perish, they're, they're headed to an eternal hell. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth so to be saved. They didn't receive the love of the truth, they didn't understand truth, they didn't understand love, and they didn't receive it, and the, and the devil has them deceived. And John writes his book, and he's going to mention how important these two words are and what it means to understand these words. Now, let's let's start it out and let's look at it um, in verse 1 here. As he begins the letter, let's read verse 1. It says, The elder to the chosen lady and her children, it says, Whom I love in the truth, not only I, but also all who love the truth. He starts it off with with, with an interesting phrase. He doesn't say, I'm John, I'm I'm an apostle. He calls himself the elder. Interesting, right? The elder, not an elder, but the elder. The the word elder can mean a couple of things. The word elder can mean an older man. Or the word elder, later on in the church, it talked about these religious leaders or, or people with authority. Interesting that when the word elder is used in the Bible, it's used either in a noun or as an adjective. You say, why is that important? Well, when it's used as a noun, it's talking about an older man. When it's used as an adjective, it's talked about a religious leader or somebody with authority. Here, it's used as an adjective. So he's saying here, I am somebody with authority. He, Of course, he's an older man. We know he's he 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 lasted a long time. But he's saying here, I am an older man. I am one with authority. Here, I am one who cares for you. When, when, when you hear the word elder, here's what you should think about. Somebody who watches out for your soul. Somebody who cares for your soul. Somebody who is there to teach you the Bible. Who's to pray for you and to take care of you spiritually. That's an elder. I see this. I, I can't help but see charmer in these words. An older, caring man. I've met a lot of people in my life. They usually get grumpy as they get older. He's getting sweeter as he gets older. How many people do you know like that? I mean, we know he has no enemies because he's outlived them all. But you know, but, but he has. Oh, that was a bad one. See, I wouldn't use that one in a first. But he's a loving, loving, caring man. And he, and he cares for people. And let me tell you something. He cares about this church. In fact, he's been here for years. And if anyone had a reason to leave, it would have been him. He's seen pastors come and go. He's even seen people stand up and try to get him out of here. But he stayed because he loved, he cares. When when he starts this letter off, John is saying, I care about you. I, I, I'm an older person, but I, I care about you. I, I have authority. I want your best. And, and he looks and he starts, he says this here. He goes, he goes this. And this is interesting because in, in, in the Bible, when the church first started, the apostles were leading and doing things. And then later on, as the church moved on, the elders were leading and all that. And then over church history, somehow the deacons got involved. I don't know how. But anyway, you know, but usually it was the, the apostles and then, and then you had the elders leading the church. And now he's saying, I care about you. And look who he says here in verse one. He says, I'm writing to the chosen lady. Stop there. Some, some believe that's, a, that's an actual person. Um, and, you know, maybe it could be a name. But you know what would be awkward if it was a person? Because in verse 5, he says, so we need to love one another. I don't know why John would write a letter saying, hey, uh, you know, to a certain lady, we need to love one another. That doesn't make sense here. So what, what he is talking about, he's talking about the church. The lady. Isn't it interesting that God uses, when he talks about the church, he personifies the church as a lady, as a her. He loves her. Wow, think about that. It's his bride. And he says here, I'm I'm someone who cares for you, and I'm writing to the church, to the lady, to the chosen ones, to the ones who are called out of the world, who are different than the world. When John uses the word chosen he's talking about that. He's talking about those who are different from the world. who have been called out of the world and her children and the members of her church. He starts it off by saying, "Look, I care about you. I I love you. I'm I'm there for you. I'm watching out for you." And 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 the church and the members. And not only that. Look what he says here in verse 1. He says, "I love how in truth." Now now don't miss this. Because love ought to have boundaries. And and sometimes we take it too far. And sometimes we call it love, but we forget about the boundaries. And we go beyond what God wants us to do and we start to tolerate things and we start to accept things and we start to justify things and we even start to applaud things that God doesn't want us to applaud. Do you know how many churches here in Colorado Springs... Colorado Springs that held a vigil and that supported, that applauded Club Q. Take a guess. 60. 60. Not one. Not two. 60 of them. Like it was nothing. And they call it love. That's not love. We love in truth. We're going to see here in a moment. We don't go beyond what the Bible. We, we, we are united in truth, we're going to see here. And we love in the truth. Truth has boundaries to it. And love has boundaries. And we are to love in truth. I remember uh, a mom saying to me about her son one time. She said, you know, my son, he's living in fornication. He could care less about God. And he wants to live in our home. And he wants us to accept his sins. So I had, I had to do two things. Either I could have said, no, I'm not going to accept that and lose my son, or say, yeah, you know what, do what you want, I'll accept, I can care less, and you can come live with me. So I chose to do that. I chose to be loving instead of doing the other thing. That's not love. We love in truth. We love in the boundaries of truth. In fact, look what it says here. It says here in verse 1, he says, The elder to the chosen lady, to the church and her children, the members, the ones who have been called out of the world, I love you in truth. Present tense, I'm continually loving you. I love you in truth. And not only I, look at this, but all those who know the truth. Here it is. So here's what he's saying. What is it that unites a community of God? Are you ready for this? What unites a community of God and creates a community of love? You ready? Truth. Truth. If we took truth out of this church and said we no longer believe in truth, what would unite us? Think about that. That would be a scary community. And then how can we love one another if there is no truth? He says, "The ones I, I love you, and not only do I love you, not only I," he says here, but all those who, who know the truth, all, all the ones who are united by the truth. It's, it's what creates the community, what helps us to love one another. Now now watch this, look at truth. What is truth? Watch this in verse two here. This is beautiful. He says this, "For the sake of the truth, and where is it? It abides where in us. I I love this part. Because people say, oh yeah, there's truth out there. I'm going to take a sip of water after this one. Because it's about to get hot in here. People say, you know what? I believe in truth, but truth is out there. No, no. Truth abides in us. Now watch this. He says this. For the sake of the truth which abides, which is living in us. Why? Because truth is embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. And where is Jesus Christ? Inside of us. He abides in us. And here's what he's saying here. He's saying truth is not just out. Truth is not just something we learn. Truth is something we live. Truth is something that is inside of us. Now, do other religions say they have truth? Of course they do. In fact, I remember talking to a Mormon. He told me this. He said, you know what? You can put a gun to my head and shoot me and I will not change. He thought he had truth. So how do we know who has the truth and who doesn't have the truth? Ready for this? Short answer. Bob's short answer. He loves giving the short answer. You Ready for this? Short answer. How do we know who's lying and who's telling the truth? The short answer is the ones who tell us about Jesus Christ as he is in the Bible. That is truth. Any deviation from the Jesus of the Bible is an absolute lie. And he says this, The truth is abiding in us. Praise God that we have the truth about the true God. We have the truth about the gospel. What is the gospel? That Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again, and all who call upon him will be saved. What's the truth about salvation? Salvation is a gift of God. We can't earn it. We can't work for it. We just receive it by by God's grace. Look at this here. We know the truth about humanity. Do I know how humanity is? You ready for this? We're sinners. Totally depraved. You want to know the truth about evil? There's things in the Bible that's right and wrong. And praise God, the truth abides in us. And we know what's right and we know what's wrong. You know what else? We know the truth about life after death. And this is what's amazing. We know that when we die, praise God, that's not the end. That because of Jesus, we die we will be with him forever and ever. The truth is in us. Now watch this. He says this. For the sake of the truth which abides in us, and how long will it be with us? Ah. Because there's some people that say, well, maybe there's truth today, but truth today is not going to be truth next week. Or the truth yesterday is not the same truth as as two years from now. No, let me just tell you something. Truth (laughs) is not temporal. Truth is not generational. It's not what the kids think truth is and then later the adults think another. Truth does not just belong to one racial group. Truth is eternal. Truth is consistent. Truth is not changing. Truth abides in us. Look at it, it says forever. It's always there. I remember growing up in, in being an altar boy, and I, I spent years, um, you know, doing that, and I remember, you know, the different things that, that would change with the church. Well, one of them was, for years, did you know they believed that babies went to hell? And so they would tell people, you know what, if you don't buy these indulgences, if you don't buy something, your kid is in hell, so you need to buy something. So what did people do that lost babies? They bought some. They didn't want their kid to go to hell, so they bought some. Later on, the church changed. They said, you know what? We no longer believe that they, that, that they go to hell. We believe they're in limbo. And so they're somewhere in between heaven and hell. They're not in hell, but they're out there floating around. So, so people are like, oh, my baby's just floating around. I mean, where is my baby? Then they said, you know what? That's kind of cruel. We need to change that. You know what? Babies go to heaven. Now, what's the truth? Does the truth change? Or is the truth forever? It's forever. And what do I believe about that? Babies are in heaven, by God's grace. But yet... They have these things and truth is constantly changing and, and truth is all around and people are saying different things about truth and, and, and it's constantly different here and, and, and people say this and people say that and you got the media against it and you have false preachers against it. You have politicians who say they have the truth. We have religious leaders who say they have the truth. Listen to this. I don't want to pick too much on him because he's an Argentine, but Pope Francisco... You know what he said? He says, I'm not going to try to convert the atheist. He says, he's not condemned. He's fine. You know what he said? He said, every religion can pray to any God they want. They're fine. What's the truth? Here's what the truth is. The truth abides in us. The truth is forever the truth is not changing it's embodied in the Lord Jesus Christ it's vitalized by the Holy Spirit and it lives inside of us and the truth I love this has companions look at this in verse 3 he says for the sake of the truth which abides in us it's there it's eternal it's consistent it's not changing it will be forever with us look at this in verse 3 the three companions there of truth I love these words. Don't miss these words. These are so important. There's grace, mercy, and peace. You say, what are those words? Well, we know that grace is the undeserved favor that God bestows upon sinners. It's the undeserved. We don't deserve his grace. We don't, we don't ever deserve it, but grace is there. Why? Because grace bestowed upon us. He gave us salvation. It's a gift now. Grace is free to us. Grace cost Jesus his life. grace bestowed upon us as sinners in salvation and in service. He says grace. He says mercy. Are you ready for this? You know what mercy is? God withholding what we do deserve. Do I know what we deserve? (laughs) I always hear this too. Man, I deserve better than this. Change that thought. We deserve the pit of hell. We don't deserve better than this. Mercy is withholding, God taking pity upon us and withholding what we do deserve. Grace is giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is withholding that, what we do deserve. And look at this next one, peace. Peace, Uh, a personal wholeness, a well-being. Why? Because we're in a right relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. It's a peace that the world wants to know. I remember my brother in the hospital re- recovering from his addiction and he looked at me and his face was all different. He goes, Jeremy, all I want to know is peace. And I said, John, you'll never know peace until you come to Jesus Christ. Amen. But the moment we come to Jesus Christ, now we have peace. We have a relationship with God because of Him. There's a wholeness there. There's a well-being knowing that we're right with God. And let me tell you, this is great here. He says, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. And, and and who does it come from? Look at verse 3 here. It comes from God the Father. And it comes from who? Jesus Christ. Why? Because they're equal. Jesus is God. But they're different. Jesus is not the Father. And the Father is not the Son. But yet they are equal. And so what he is saying is this. He's saying that this grace... This mercy, this peace comes from both God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And he mentions twice that he's the Father. Notice this here in verse verse 3. He says, we'll be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. In other words, he's telling us right there that Jesus is not a mere man. Jesus is God. And we believe in him. Now watch this. (laughs) He says this. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father. Now, don't miss these words. In truth and in what? Love. Love. You see, this won't happen unless there's truth and unless there's love. Grace, mercy, and peace thrive in a community where there's truth and there's love. Now now watch this. This happened this week. First Baptist Church in Florida under fire for a statement confirming beliefs that marriage is between a man and a woman. Now listen to this. First Baptist Church of Jacksonville was spotlighted on Sunday after local media reports caught wind of the church's biblical sexuality. A statement to take effect in March. Listen to this. First Baptist statement on biblical sexuality detailing the church's support for binary gender roles as well as the belief that marriage is only between a man and a woman was originally approved in October. But then later on they said this. We want the whole church to sign this. That you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Right. Some of you are saying amen. Some of you are like, oh, I'm in trouble. Some of you like, oh. Watch this. As a member of, of First Baptist Church, I believe that God creates people in, the, in his image as either male or female. That this creation is a fixed matter of human biology, not individual choice. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I believe marriage is instituted by God, not government, is between one man and one woman, and is only in the only context of sexual desire and expression. Now, watch what happens. A girl named Katie. Why does it have to be Katie? <laughs> Couldn't it be a different name for crying out loud? In in the article it says this a queer woman named Katie. She said, yesterday, an acquaintance messaged me and told me about this forum. Their, their family has made the decision to stop attending this church, considering recent events, which is something I encourage all existing congregants to follow. The decision to have your members sign any form of contract to attend turns your church into an organization, a club, she added. This church is no longer a religious place of worship. Welcome to all These sexuality oaths are are drawing a clear line in the sand showing us who you truly welcome which is by no means all. Wow. How do you respond as a pastor? I love this. The senior pastor, Heath Lambert, he comes out and he says this. It is not that we are any less sinful than anybody out there in Jacksonville. It is not that we are any better than anybody who thinks our statement is a joke. It's that we have come to confess our sin instead of looking at the Bible and railing against what the Bible has to say about sexual sin. We've said, God, you're right and I'm wrong. Will you please forgive me and then wash me in the blood of Jesus? By faith we are not better, but by faith we are saved. Now, he says this, and this is beautiful. This is where truth and love comes. We want to welcome you as you, as we were welcomed. If you need help, we would love to serve you. If you would like to come and worship with us, you are always welcome to be a part of what we're doing. Of course, when you come, we will ask you to respect our beliefs just as we respect yours. But if you do come, we will welcome you, pray with you, serve you, and love you. We will also probably say things that will challenge you. That's okay. Real love can handle disagreement. And then he says this. If you ever give us a chance, we'll be happy to welcome you. We will do that, not because we agree about sexuality, but because we believe everything the Bible says about loving your neighbor. And we really think it is possible to disagree without being hateful. See, the problem is, people say, Oh man, I believe in the truth. Oh, you better believe I believe in the truth. And they're out there with their Bibles beating everybody up. Get up! Get in the truth! Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> and they're walking around, We're the only ones with the truth! We got the truth! Beat in up, Bob. Who's going to come to a church like that? And then there's other people. Wow! Oh, it's just, we got one of them. Then we got one, Then we got others who say, "You know what? Oh, we just lo- we love you. We just want you here. We love you. We just love you. Who cares? Living sin. We love you. We're here for you. We'll serve you. We can care. Less. So, so are oh, you going? Don't worry about going to hell. We love you. In fact, one guy says, "You'll never hear the word hell in our church." We don't want to offend people. We're on two different extremes. How about we be a church that allows the truth to abide in us and allows us to love people like we should? And lovingly tell people you know what? It's not what I think, it's not what I say. It's what God says. And he rules. And I drool. He wins. And when people get mad. I've had them. Oh man, they get fired up. Do you really believe that? Uh, Wait, wait, wait. I didn't write the book. This is God's book. This is what he says. But we can't say we love you. If it's not surrounded by the boundaries of truth. And so John is going to start off by saying this. Look, love and truth is so important. In fact, he's going to tell us later on, look, next week, Lord, when we're going to look at, we need to love one another. We're going to talk about that. But we need not just to shake our heads and say, okay, everything's all right with people out there who don't believe the truth. No, we stand firm on the truth because we can stand firm and disagree. Without being hateful. Praise God for that. Is that you? Maybe you got someone in your family right now. You're just so scared to talk to about the truth. Because you know you they may get mad at you. I'm here to tell you. They may get mad at you. But lovingly tell them the truth. Don't pat them on the back. And say you're okay. When they're not okay. Let's be biblical. But let's be loving. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, what powerful, powerful words that John starts this second book off with. And Lord, it is so easy for us to stray to one extreme or the other. We want to be truthful. And so sometimes we don't have a filter in our mouths and we really hurt others. And we say it in a hateful way. And God, that's not bringing anyone to you. And Lord, sometimes we say, you know what? I just want to be loving. I want to be loving. I don't want to tell the person the truth because I know if I do, they won't like me. And we're more worried about ourselves than we are about their souls. So God, help us to have both. To speak the truth, but to do it in a loving way. And to love others in a truthful way. God, we need you for that. Thank you so much for the companions that thrive when we live a life like that. Thank you for your grace. The favor upon us that we could never earn or deserve. Your riches at Christ's expense. He died for us, was buried and rose again. Thank you so much. Father, thank you for your mercy. Right now you can destroy every one of us if you wanted to. But yet you withhold what we deserve. And not only that, you bless us with good things. Thank you for the peace that we can have that the world could never know outside of Jesus Christ. They seek peace in different ways. And Lord, they always come up short. But Lord, we have peace by faith in Jesus Christ with you. Thank you for that. And so, Lord, I pray maybe there's someone in our lives that we need to be truthful with today and and talk to and loving. And, Lord, you would give us the courage to do it. And not only give us the the right words, but give us the right way to say the right words. We ask you to help us. And we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen.